It touches my heart to know that there's people out there that still thinks about it, still keeps it going, and they don't give up. Year after year, it's a tradition Linda Sink and Carolyn Short refuse to miss. On a brutally hot Saturday in August, the two women mingle among the crowd in the Victory Baptist Church parking lot. A row of motorcycles are parked on the asphalt, several of them with yellow ribbons tied to the antennas. Similar to the yellow ribbons family members and friends wore 17 years ago. We'll begin the day by letting them cut the yellow ribbons and wear their yellow ribbons to remember Jennifer. There's one thing we heard from almost every person we talked to about the Short Family investigation. They tell us they think about this case every single day. But it's this day, every year, where the community shows it. With the yellow ribbons and stuffed animals carefully placed on the Jennifer Short Memorial Bridge, it's easy to see how much the nine-year-old's memory still means to the Martinsville and Oak Level communities in Virginia. Makes me want to cry to think about it, that people still care enough to keep her name out there. I'm Tess Bargeberg, and this is Who Killed Jennifer Short? Dozens of people still gather every year for the Jennifer Short Memorial Ride. There's a folding table set up where a girl no older than 13 collects $10 donations toward a scholarship in Jennifer's honor. White t-shirts are stacked up neatly, Jennifer's school photos printed on the front. We sit down again with Carolyn and Linda inside the church sanctuary. Carolyn, Michael Short's sister, always makes it clear she doesn't really like being on camera. <laughs> Turning her face away while we're setting up. Just kidding. <laughs> As we start talking, though, Carolyn's tone changes, and you can see how the murders have scarred her and her family members. Scared. You're always looking over your shoulder everywhere you go. Even when I go in my house, especially at night, I'm kind of scared to go in because when you go in, you're like looking everywhere to make sure everything's okay. At least I do. I never was scared to go in my house after dark. Now I'm home before dark. That's the reason I work night shift, because I don't want to be home at night. And both she and Linda say even on a day meant for remembrance, they're wondering if the killer is among the crowd. Every time I come to these rides, I think about that. Um, that person could be out there. Carolyn and Linda are the only short family members who regularly attend the rides. And what happened August 15th, 2002, has changed the structure of their family. 
because I think they've given up and they probably have the attitude, well, it'll never be solved. And so they just go on with their life, doing what they want to do. And to me, this is remembering your, my brother and his wife and my niece, you know. And I mean, it gives me a good feeling to be a part of it. And the rest of them, you know, I don't know. I think they've given up and they know probably, or they're thinking that it'll never be solved. Linda says at the time, she and her then-husband, Jennifer's oldest brother, were in the process of adopting a little girl of their own. All we had to do was meet with the child, and the paperwork's done and everything. And then when this happened, and they found it, Jennifer died, then Kenny decided that he couldn't bear the thought of having a child at that time and something like that could have happened to that child. So we ended up not adopting her. And she she knew, you know, she knew that we was gonna adopt her, but she did understand why we didn't and that was a good thing. I'm sure that's something that kind of stayed with you for years. Yes, because I couldn't have kids and I always wanted them. Carolyn says those kinds of memories resurface every year. It is tough, very tough. But when August comes, it's even tougher. She's never been able to grieve the loss of her brother, his wife, and her niece. Don't get me wrong, I do cry, but not like I would like to. I would like to cry until I couldn't cry no more. Carolyn says that won't happen until she has answers and the killer is brought to justice. And I might not even live to see that person, but I'm still praying that I will. And if I don't, it just wasn't meant to be. If you're just as curious as I am to find out who killed Jennifer Short, try out a new podcast from Fox 8. Hi, I'm Katie Nordeen. I've been looking into another unsolved murder, one that really took a small community by surprise. It's called Who Killed Grandma Nancy? This cold January morning back in 2013 started like so many others. I got up, got ready, went to the kitchen to get, grab a cup of coffee. But good detectives know that can change quickly. And then you hear that call on the radio come out that there's a, a body in a business, and here we go. It's time to go to work. The business was Atlanta Car Company, a used car lot in Davidson County on the outskirts of Lexington. Nancy Harvey, the owner, was dead. What do you remember about the, the crime scene itself? I think brutal just sums it up, if you want one word. Um, a lot of... <laughs> Just a lot of dismay. A very, very heinous crime. Download Who Killed Grandma Nancy wherever you get your podcasts. It comes a family. People know each other, see each other each time, and know what's happening in each other's lives. After a prayer and announcements, drivers and riders file out to take their places. 
For the past few years, Linda and Carolyn ride together in Linda's Mustang. I think about everything that happened. It makes you think uh, through the whole process as you're driving. Uh, it makes you think about once you get there, how they found her there at the bridge. And you think about what maybe she went through. And that makes you want to cry even more. Throughout the months we spent researching and interviewing, people have shared their theories about the case, who they think could be responsible, what members of the community may know about the investigation, and what mistakes were made along the way. What we do know is that what happened August 15, 2002, has left a lasting impact on the people who loved the shorts, rippling outward to touch people across the country from the Henry County Sheriff who keeps a small Polaroid of Jennifer taped to his desk and investigators on the case since the first day. I don't want to be the one that feels like I let somebody down. So I really would like to see this case get solved. To the Rockingham County family who discovered Jennifer's remains. It's just, who can do that? It takes a monster to do this to a child and to her parents. And the woman living on the property now who decorates the bridge ahead of every memorial ride. If, I just know that if it, was, if it was my child or my grandchildren, I would want somebody to take care of her spirit too, you know. I mean, this was her final resting place, more, so to speak, you know, so. After years of making the drive from Martinsville to the Memorial Bridge, Carolyn wonders what Jennifer would be like today had she been found alive. Well, it was three of them kids in the family that was born the same year. And I look at the other two girls, what their life is today, and I think, wonder what Jennifer would be like today. Wonder if she would be married, she would be in college, if she would have a good job, would she have kids? You know, I think about, because I see the other two girls, what they have made their life out to be. And they were all the same, same age that was born the same year. Family members realize they may not get the closure they're looking for. Carolyn may never fully grieve the loss of Michael, Mary, and Jennifer Short. But standing on the bridge named in Jennifer's honor, those who knew and loved the nine-year-old pray one day they'll know who killed her. The FBI is still actively pursuing leads in this case. If you have any information investigators need to know, you're asked to call the FBI tip line at 1-800-225-5324. Who Killed Jennifer Short was written and reported by me, Tess Bargeber, edited and produced by Sam Walter. Our executive producer is Kevin Daniels. Please subscribe to the podcast and tell your friends. A five-star rating helps get the word out, and maybe someone out there has the one clue to solve the case.